And welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your only daily Miami Marlins podcast. Decided to squeeze this one in, especially with the Marlins game against the Mets being canceled. Apparently, it seems like it's just one isolated case within the Mets organization. And as we know, teams are going to be, and the MLB is going to be very, very cautious when it comes to things like this after what we saw happen with the Marlins. MLB does not want to be liable for anything like that again, and obviously they don't want to see that happen again. So I'm assuming that it's just erring on the side of caution. We'll obviously have to see how this develops, but I'm not too worried about it. But it's 2020 and we have no idea what can happen. For now, that's what it seems like. Marlins should be back in action tomorrow. Uh, I would be surprised if they aren't. And they should have the reinforcements coming in too. Not sure which players will be activated immediately. Do know that Miguel Rojas is back. We'll see if more players will be brought into the active roster in the next coming days. But how about Sixto Sanchez getting activated? He gets the call up. So does Jesus Sanchez. And now the Marlins are making things more exciting again. They needed a spark. They needed that spark. And now they got it. Sixto, we don't know when he's going to make his debut yet. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, it might be announced when it is going to happen. Of course, we don't know if everything just got shook up because of the game being canceled tonight if that throws off the Marlins initial plan for when they were going to throw Sixto. Not much information in that regard yet. Who cares? He's going to be throwing in a major league game with the Marlins jersey on and that's all we've been waiting for for so long now. Apparently hitting triple digits left and right. Miguel Rojas compared him to Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto never threw 100 miles an hour. So if he has Johnny Cueto type of fastball changeup stuff, with a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, then it looks like he could probably be better than Johnny Cueto. But don't forget, Cueto at his peak was one of the best pitchers in the league, so maybe temper the expectations a little bit. I don't know if Rojas is talking about peak Johnny Cueto or the Johnny Cueto of the last five years. Big difference, but I'm sure he was referring to when Cueto was at his best. Still an interesting comp. I do like it to a degree, though... I almost want to just think Sixto Sanchez is Sixto Sanchez, right? We like to throw out comps very often, but when somebody or a player is as special as Sixto, I don't want to put them inside of the confinements of a comparison, even though it might be a generous comparison as it is with Johnny Cueto. The Marlins obviously would take that in two seconds, but you want to dream on him a little bit and see how he develops in his own way, as I'm sure it'll be a little bit different. So That's obviously exciting for the Marlins. Jesus Sanchez now getting a chance will be refreshing because he's not going to be that same type of frustrating, even when he's at his worst, that Monte Harrison and Lewis Brinson are. It's not as much swing and miss from Jesus Sanchez, a much better approach, a much more refined approach. The real question with Sanchez is just, can he get more loft on the ball? Can he improve upon that launch angle? And I think that's something that he worked on a lot in the offseason in spring training, and you saw it with the ball he launched in Atlanta in that exhibition game. But also, James Rousen, of course, as you know already, helped the Twins so much tap into their power. They had so many hitters similar to Jesus Sanchez. Ridiculous bat speed, just weren't getting the right lift on the ball. You don't want the players to be selling out for home runs. You don't want to be 
you know, trying too hard to lift the ball, but you do want to perfect that launch angle a little bit. And that is what Jesus Sanchez needed to work on. He was rolling over too much. I think a little bit of it was pitch selection as well. And I'm sure that has been something he's worked on too. I'm very excited to see what he's going to look like now because there's been a lot of time for him to get live ABs against guys like Sixto or other Marlins prospects that we know the Marlins have plenty of good pitching prospects. Going to be Very, very cool to see both the Sanchez's, no relation of course, but seeing both of them in action, maybe in the same lineup, you really, it's it's like when you think of something so far away and then it's finally happening after waiting for so long, it almost feels like a dream, right? And this is crazy to think that now we're starting to see the roster fill out of all the guys we've been talking about for years now, especially since 2017 really when this whole teardown happened and we had to get excited about these prospects because you had to grieve the loss of a team that even though it underachieved it was a core that you became accustomed to it was a core that you had probably hoped would finally do something they teased us several occasions clearly they teased the Marlins front office too with some of those all-in moves that I'm not even going to reference that didn't pan out as we know and now Finally, after all that waiting, you're going to start to see the roster fill out with the prospects that we had been waiting on. And also, the fact that Lewis Brinson and Monte Harrison had to be the first prospects that came up made it even more difficult to wait for the blue chippers like Sixto Sanchez and even Jesus Sanchez and, of course, Jazz Chisholm. I don't think he'll come up this year. Maybe at the end of the year if he looks really good in these practices in Jupiter, but honestly, the way this year is going, who knows? So hold out some hope for it, but let's enjoy Sixto, let's enjoy Jesus, and I don't know what it means for Lewis Brinson and Monte Harrison. I do think that Monte Harrison needs to go back down and iron some things out. I wouldn't give him the Brinson kiss of death yet, right? He's only 25 years old. He has barely gotten any at-bats in the major leagues, but he's clearly not comfortable yet. He has had some good at-bats. Yes, he struck out a ridiculous amount of times, but the home run was a flash of what he can do. This wasn't a pull side where he got lucky and got the barrel out. This was a pitch over the outer half that he is able to drive to right center. That's his game. That's what he needs to do more. He needs to trust those hands and trust the bat speed that he has and stop taking away from it with all of the extraneous movement that is really throwing off his timing and forcing him to cheat. Brinson is a different case. He just seems like he has more of a hole in his swing, and that's something that has really been a factor for him since he was in high school. Really, I've talked to scouts about it. There's a lot of scouts that really had their questions on whether Brinson was going to be able to hit through the minor leagues early on too. And he put those concerns to bed, at least for the time being. But there were some concerns even in high school about the length to his swing. So this doesn't surprise me as much. Monte Harrison is a little bit different. And I think he has the tools to be able to put things together at the plate. He has better swings than Brinson at his best. I think Monte Harrison at his best is able to do more, drive the ball to all parts of the field with power, and really just look more like a professional hitter. They both have really bad approaches. And I think the fact that Harrison's approach is so bad is largely dependent on the fact that he is just off with his timing. 
I don't think that his pitch recognition is that bad. I just don't think he's giving himself a chance to recognize the pitches, if that makes sense. Griffin Conine is an example, and I get to talk to him a lot about this with hitting. So I've talked about this type of struggle that a lot of hitters have because it's not Monte Harrison unique. It's a very common thing for power hitters, especially, and especially power hitters that have a lot of movement to their swing. Griffin Conine used to have a pretty big leg kick and a lot of movement and he had an open stance and he had been working on really quieting that down because while he hit for a ton of power, he led the Midwest League in home runs, he also struck out a ton. I think right around 33% of the time and he was not happy with that. Obviously, that's not what you want to see. So he quieted everything down, got rid of that hanging leg kick closed his stance off a little bit, and a much more relaxed approach. It's almost just pick it up, put it down, and trust that my strength and my good hands will let me generate enough power as is. That's what works for Conine, and Monte Harrison makes Conine look small, and Griffin Conine's not a small guy either. So that just puts it in perspective. Harrison does not need to try to generate power. So I'm excited to see Jesus Sanchez. Let's enjoy that. Let's hope that Monte Harrison can continue to tinker, make adjustments, and maybe he can come away with something from what worked in the major leagues, right? He got a taste of some success. He drove the ball also to deep center field, and I think it was right against the wall, which would have been a home run in a lot of other places. So he's had some feelings of the good swings against good pitching, uh, and maybe he can try to go back and assess after getting a taste of the bigs. I'm going to hold out that he can figure it out. I'm not mailing it in on Monte Harrison yet. Lewis Brinson, another story. That is for another time. I'm not even going to start with Brinson right now. I'm going to quickly glance over some trade deadline moves that I think could happen just for some fun. I'm just purely speculating here and not even speculating, just floating the idea and why I think this could be the time to trade Caleb Smith if there's the right offer. I will explain why it makes sense to deal him right around now, especially maybe if he gets one more start in before the deadline. But first, as always, you know, I got to tell you about rockauto.com, especially with everything going on right now. It is so much easier to just go to rockauto.com, use their easy to navigate website. You can find any car part for any car, make, model. Why pay 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or car dealership when you could just go to rockauto.com and have it mailed straight to your door? There's different price points at these other stores for the do-it-yourselfers versus the professional mechanics. At rockauto.com, it's a flat, low price for everybody and simplifies things, right? Makes it so much easier. Have it delivered straight to your door. Don't have to interact with people and take care of anything you need. Head over to rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. So I teased the trades real quick, and this was just a little glance over. I was sitting in bed, and I was just thinking, you know, the Marlins have a lot of pitching, like a lot, a lot of pitching. And now they call up Sixto, Edward Cabrera, I don't know if he's going to make his debut this year, maybe late in the season. Doesn't matter. He's going to be up next year. Nick Neidert is not supposed to be a reliever. He's probably going to be a starter and a back-end starter. All of a sudden, Eliezer Hernandez looks like he could be a starter. I know he struggles 
the second and third time around the lineup, but he's starting to show a little bit more durability and a little bit more persistence in these ball games where he's looking a little bit better as the lineup comes back around. Don Mattingly still protecting him a little bit and pulls him quite early, usually around the fifth inning, but he's looked great. And I don't know if the Marlins want to use him as a spot starter and kind of like a Swiss Army knife where he could be a reliever uh, for multiple innings and then a spot starter. He has some value there. He's still young and maybe he can continue to improve. The thing is, I don't know where he fits in, especially assuming Max Meyer gets fast-tracked in the next year or two. So you have Neidert, Alcantara, as of now, Caleb Smith, Pablo Lopez, and then you got Sixto, Edward Cabrera. Someone's got to go. Someone's got to go right now, and it makes sense that it would be Caleb Smith because, oh, and Jose Urania, of course, too. How could I forget? Caleb Smith and Jose Urania should be on the move. Caleb Smith's going to get you much more of a return than Jose Urania. Caleb Smith has multiple years of control. He's a lefty. He gets a lot of swing and miss for a lefty. Yes, he gives up a ton of home runs, but I think teams will be intrigued in the upside. He's only 28 years old, and there's got to be a market for him, especially because there's not really any good left-handers out on the market right now. And there's a lot of teams that need pitching, especially this season. And if you don't want to go all in on this season, but you want to bolster your run and not compromise the future too, Caleb Smith's a great candidate because he can help you now. And you're going to want him to be a piece for the future anyways, right? If, if you're already in a competitive point, like the Astros, for example, you're not going to give up your prospects because you know that your window might be fading a little bit as you might lose George Springer to free agency. Altuve might start slowing down. You don't know. There's so many moving parts. That being said, they still have a really good core. And if Verlander comes back, Granke's still effective. They have a chance to at least make the playoffs and still be a difficult team to beat. You got to go get Caleb Smith, I think, if you're the Astros. That could be one of the options. The Astros were apparently looking at Matt Boyd. He has not looked good at all. Robbie Ray was maybe the best left-hander on the market at one point last year. Now he has looked really bad and... I know Caleb Smith hasn't been pitching, but that might be a better thing for him right now because if he was struggling, then he'd be right there with Robbie Ray. He hasn't been struggling. Maybe if he turns in one good start, a team might jump on him. I don't know. But what does the return look like? That's going to be really hard to gauge. I like to look at comps for trades. It's already hard to find controllable lefties that were traded. Of course, you have the Jose Quintana trade, but he's not as good as Quintana was at that point. And I think Quintana was a year or two younger. Still, you can reference that to the point that he's going to get you something. And then you also look at free agency next year. There are no left-handed pitching free agents that are under the age of 32 or 33. And that's another reason to go get this younger, controllable player in Caleb Smith. He also has great makeup. He's a good guy. He's good for the clubhouse. It's a guy that you want to add to your ball club. Caleb Smith is someone I obviously am not pushing out the door. I I love Caleb Smith, but he doesn't fit the future. The Marlins can cash in and maybe get some prospects that they might need. And there's so many teams that would probably try and buy right now. I would put two candidates already, and that would be the Astros, as I mentioned, and then also the Minnesota Twins. Minnesota Twins are incredibly banged up, and they're still a hell of a ball club. Jose Barrios has been struggling, and they're already short on pitching. Thank goodness for Randy Dobnak, or else the Twins would have almost nobody to put on the bump. Odorizzi finally starting to settle in a little bit, but still, besides that, they need to get a pitcher. 
and they match up pretty well with the Marlins trade-wise. Again, I don't know what the value is in this market because of the entire circumstance, everything going on, and Caleb Smith not pitching because of COVID and so many different things, but there are some prospects that I do like in the twin system that would make some sense. One of them being Ryan Jeffers, a catcher, and Jeffers is probably not going to be a top 100 prospect at any point, but he is an incredibly solid prospect that would instantly be the Marlins' top catching prospect out of the gate. I think he would already be on top of Will Banfield, although that's not saying much with the slow start to Banfield's career. And literally, as I'm recording this, I can't make this up, Ryan Jeffers just got called up by the Twins. So we'll see what that means. But um, he gets the call up and doesn't mean he's not an option for the Marlins still to potentially be a trade piece because, of course, the Twins have Mitch Garver, who was one of the best catchers in baseball last year. I don't know what the plan is for the Twins with Jeffers right now, but I'm sure they would happily trade him for a left-handed pitcher like Caleb Smith. And then how about somebody else like Brent Rooker? Rooker wouldn't be a typical guy that I'd want the Marlins to go after because you really look at it and the Marlins have more than enough outfielders. They have Lou and Diaz for first base. But if the DH really becomes a thing, and if the DH is going to stay in the National League, Brent Rooker is an incredible option. He can really hit the ball, like really hit the ball. And he can also be a platoon that you deploy in the outfield and at first base, right? If there's some tough left-handers that are really giving Lewin Diaz some fits, even though I think he's an everyday first baseman, there's going to be some tough left-handed matchups that you want to keep him away from. Even just a day off here and there, you give him a start at first. If there's some tough matchups for your outfielders at the point where maybe it's J.J. Boudet in the future, maybe it's Jesus Sanchez, one of them struggles against a left-hander, then you put Rooker there. And then in the meantime, he can be a DH as well. So that's a guy that you could really use and his bat is going to play and earn him a spot in the lineup no matter what. That might be a light return, Jeffers and Rooker. Maybe you throw in a third guy or, well, you know, you don't know. But Jeffers, I think, is incredibly underrated. Rooker is kind of put to, to the side, if you will, because of the fact that he doesn't really have a position, kind of like Seth Beer. But if you hit the ball especially with the DH likely being implemented, I I want you on my ball club. I'm sorry. If you can hit the ball, I'll find a way to get you in the lineup. And that's what people always say, right? But they don't really mean it. At least scouts don't mean it because they always find reasons to discount players that hit and don't really have a position. Even Luis Diaz, how is he not a top 100 prospect? I know it's because he's a first baseman. That's probably the only reason why he's not. It's so rare for these first baseman to be top prospects unless they hit ridiculously well. But overall, it just doesn't make sense for me if I'm a GM to overlook a bat such as Brent Rooker's, who's just absolutely mashed at every level, just because you don't know if he's going to be able to play a position for you, especially with the future of baseball and where we're going with everything. Another potential trade partner, as I mentioned, the Astros, I would love to see a return of maybe Jeremy Pena and Fredis Nueva. I don't even think I said that right. Frutis Nueva, I'm guessing. But Frutis Nueva has a crazy story because he was actually one of the most prized international free agents who was supposed to sign with the Marlins, apparently failed a drug test uh, for PEDs, and the Marlins pulled out last minute. He ultimately signs elsewhere with the Astros, and he looks like a good prospect. I think the Marlins are probably kicking themselves for backing out so quickly and letting that 
really just alarm them and make them jump out so quick because he looks like a good piece. I don't know if he's holding a grudge against the Marlins. He doesn't really have a choice if he gets traded. But if the Marlins saw something in him, clearly they were close to agreeing to a deal, then maybe they want to bring him back in. That would be a great opportunity too because I laid out the groundwork as to why the Astros would want to bring in a Caleb Smith. And also, Fredis Nueva is a middle infielder and I don't think Carlos Correa is going anywhere anytime soon. And I don't think Altuve is either, even if he's slowing down a little bit. Jeremy Pena, another good option too. Another really underrated prospect that I like. One last quick one for fun. Harold Ramirez for Colton Welker from the Rockies. Rockies really need an outfielder right now. And Harold is speedy. That power will play up at Coors Field. And Colton Welker, third base prospect. The Marlins don't really have any corner infield prospects outside of Luan Diaz and you know maybe some lower level guys. That would be great for the Marlins to have a third base prospect. I know Brian Anderson's probably going to be there for the foreseeable future. Still good to have some depth at that position. And Welker's a local kid. Went to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in Parkland. And it would be very cool to see him brought back home. He was even committed to the University of Miami before getting drafted and signing in the fourth round with the Rockies. Just a few ideas to float out there. Obviously, it's impossible to predict trades to a T like that with prospects, but it just gives you an idea of why the Marlins maybe should make some of those moves because any return in that realm, even though the Caleb returns might be a little bit light, is beneficial for this franchise, probably more beneficial than just staying put with Caleb at this point with all of the pitching prospects that are making their way up. And not to mention left-handers and Trevor Rogers and Braxton Garrett, not far off either. Well, that was my quick little spew on potential trades. Obviously excited about the Marlins calling up more prospects. Glad I could just give you this episode in place of the Marlins game that was canceled today. Hopefully, as I said earlier, it's no big deal. Just precautionary, which I would assume it is. Stay positive. And get ready for Sixto Day, whenever that may be. And maybe we'll see Jesus Sanchez launch a ball like he did in Atlanta. Well, let's look forward to that. Hopefully the Marlins will be back on the field soon. And I look forward to talking about it with you in the next podcast.